Welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast. I'm Daryl Black, author of the 1-100 Leadership Solution, How to Be the Leader You Would Want. I'm a leadership coach, facilitator, dad to an amazing son, and all-around nice guy. At least I think so. I think we're as connected a society as we've ever been, yet we're more disconnected than ever. I want to change that. My purpose and passion is to help you learn to connect so you can be a better leader, a better parent, a better partner. Connected leadership, it matters. Remember to subscribe and thanks for listening. Okay, let's do this. Hi, I'm Daryl Black and welcome to my inaugural episode podcast of Connected Leadership where we connect and then lead. So before we go too far down what this podcast is all about, I want to share a little bit of my story with you and how I got to where I am now because it hasn't always been easy and in fact it's been damn hard at times. Like so many people, I didn't you know, grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth by any stretch, nor did I have a lot of really strong formal training with regard to connecting with people and leadership and communication skills and stress management. I certainly didn't have any idea around the concept of vulnerability or empathy. Heck, I always got it confused with the word sympathy, frankly. Compassion. Well, I didn't know what compassion was. The notion of self-compassion absolutely alien to me and managing personal stress whoa lack of as I grew up I had a really really short temper well that was the old Daryl that was the Daryl that grew up in Alberta Canada I played hockey when I was younger you know just a classic good Canadian boy you know stayed out of trouble yeah I got into a little bit I suppose but it wasn't anything that was too bad you know, I was really pushing the envelope. I was trying to figure out some boundaries, just like any other kid. Well, when I was in my late teens, I joined a volunteer search and rescue group in Edmonton. And unfortunately, I wasn't really stoked, man, oh man, with the leadership styles within it. I viewed the leadership at that particular time as maybe not having the same values that I had or the same competencies that I had. And remember, it was late teens. I just turned 18, I think. Of course, I could do it better, right? Well, luckily, I was always a person that if I put my mind to it, I just did it. There, there just was very little doubt in my mind that it would happen. So when I decided that I could do a better job, I put my money where my mouth was, and frankly, it was all volunteer, so there was no money. Um, and I became president of a pretty significant search and rescue group. I was the youngest person in the organization, and back then I think we had probably 40 to 50 people, I think. I didn't know what I didn't know. And sometimes ignorance is indeed bliss. So there, I really started my leadership journey. Now, growing up, I always had a letter on my jersey, whether it be playing baseball or hockey. And by that, I mean I was always a captain or assistant captain. And looking back early on, I, I know that I always had the ability to speak uh, pretty well. I was never nervous in front of other folks when it came time to 
to maybe do a speech or you know something like that and in fact i remember when i was in grade six i um you know i was the mc i think or like i don't remember exactly what it was called but for our christmas concert now funny story i also remember as part of that concert um that it was a deadline and it was about santa claus <laughs> and i remember saying in front of all these people like it was like uh i think like santa basically didn't want to participate in christmas he, he was shutting her down he was tired of the grind been there done that um and uh so the whole play was about trying to get santa motivated you know trying to essentially figure out his why although i didn't think of it back then in that kind of way and i remember saying uh the elves only had two weeks to put santa in the nude i said nude n-u-d-e instead of mood first of all my parents must have been appalled grade six mistaking the word nude with mood what crazy crazy but true story but here's where i kind of realized that i had a bit of a gift for it because instead of being really embarrassed pushed right on through pushed right on through so that's kind of my, you know, put Santa in the nude story, uh, as, as embarrassing as that is. But again, I've never really been uncomfortable speaking in front of folks and, and taking charge of certain situations. So my taking over a, a search and rescue group uh, as president really was no surprise to myself or those around me. Well, what was a surprise was how difficult it would be to operate doing high risk crisis situations as a young kid, essentially. But I quickly realized that I could rely on other people around me, teammates. I quickly realized that like it or not, you asked for this and so you are the leader. Well, that was that part of the equation, you know, the, the young leader and, and, and you know, running the show, um, but I, as a young leader looking back, I recognized that leadership to me, I didn't even think about leadership. I didn't, I thought of it as being in charge. The word leader, no. President, yeah. Motivating others, empowering others, no, I didn't think in those terms. I thought I am in charge and finally people are gonna listen to me because yeah, you know what, I know my stuff as far as I was concerned. So the concept of leadership, I never really thought in those terms. Well. Over the years, you go through all sorts of personal challenges, and I went through my share, believe me. I went through a lot of professional experiences as well, working for a big company uh, and being a project manager, where your entire job is leadership, really. It's about bringing people together. So I kind of knew I was pretty good at that, but I didn't know why. Well, during that period of time, you know, I worked for, for a large telecommunications company for almost 10 years and had a really, really great time with that. I loved that corporate environment. But while I was working there, I was still volunteering for search and rescue. So what I found was um, people on Monday would be talking about what their weekend was, for example, and I was uh, maybe out 
doing a search and rescue mission. In fact, I probably was during the weekend. And that could be anything from looking for a small uh, young child to an Alzheimer's uh, sufferer that maybe walked away from, uh, from assisted living or something like that. And frankly, not all of our subjects that we looked for were alive. You know, so there was this, we did some recovery stuff. Uh, and as a young adult, that was just part of the gig. And, and I actually wasn't really, really bothered by it. But what I recognized as I continued to come in, say on a Monday morning or, you know, the day after doing a big search, I was really, really charged up because I was making a difference. I was making a difference. What I was doing mattered. I could see the significance. Even if we found somebody that was deceased, tragic, 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 tragic. But at least it gave the families the opportunity to begin the process. It gave them closure. And that was something that I felt really, really good about deep down. And I knew my why. I knew my why was to make a difference somewhere along the line. Now, another characteristic of my personality is not only I'm going to probably take charge and once I make my mind up, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it, but I also don't hold back. I am like all in on what I decide to do. The trick is, is can take me a while to decide something, but once I, once I do, Bam, I'm in it. I'm in it. So I really wanted to make a difference. So I recognized that there was starting to become a, a, a separation of my corporate world, which again, I loved making lots of money, great people, all of those things. But was I making a true difference? Yeah, I was doing a good job. But from a society perspective, from a humanity perspective, was I making the world a better place? Was I helping people when they needed help? Yeah, we could help them with their cell phones. Yes. But you know what? Nothing beats the feeling of a two-year-old kid being found alive directly because of the work that you did along with the team. There is no feeling like it. Well. I really started to recognize this difference in values and realizing that I really wanted to make a difference and I wanted to be very, very deliberate about that. And I needed to make some changes. Well, it came to a head, kind of that crystal moment in your life that I actually recognized it even at the time when it was happening. So in 2005, Hurricane Katrina hit. Now, as I've talked about already, I've been heavily involved in search and rescue for many, many years. It was 1990 when I joined. So uh, just, yeah, barely 18. And Katrina hit. And sadly, our corporation was going through a pretty significant employment challenge. And time off was really, really hard to come by. Well, I remember walking into, so we got the request from a US based search and rescue team to go and help in Mississippi post Katrina catastrophic event to this point, one of the largest, you know, to 2005, one of the largest disasters ever to strike anywhere. This was a big, big deal. Well, I got the ask and frankly, I had already started to 
pack for it logistically. Oh, I got to take this equipment and so on. This is how we're going to get down there. This is the backpack I'm going to bring. This is the, the, my uniform that I'm going to have. I'm going to have to pack like so much underwear, you know, all of that stuff. I'd already started thinking about that as I walked into the office of my boss. Now, given this situation, it was a temporary boss um, who I knew really well on a personal level. And I remember it just like it was yesterday. Hey Scott, I've been asked to go down to Katrina and help out. Keep in mind that in my mind, this was a foregone conclusion. And he looked at me and he said, why is that my problem? Hmm. Interesting. Now I need to back up a little bit. This was a tremendously tumultuous time from a corporate perspective. We were doing a really high profile project that we reported or well, he reported directly to the CEO, which in corporate world is a big deal. That's a high profile. There's a lot of stakes involved with regard to that reputation wise, all sorts of things. And I was working and supporting that project. So he was under extreme pressure and stress. So I'm not judging him at all. But I did recognize that we had reached a point now where helping thousands of people somewhere in the States or, or wherever that might be was now taking a back seat to a corporation and a job, J-O-B, job. Now during this exchange, well, it wasn't even an exchange because I actually didn't respond right away, but a colleague was available and uh, beside us and he uh, said, wow, glad we're helping out humanity. Well, my boss looked at him and gave him the shut the F up look. We've all seen that. Heck, I've even given it. And my boss looks at me. You know what? I'll think about it. But right now the answer is no. We can't afford to let you go. If you think that you're going to be going away and we're going to pay you, that we're going to authorize uh, holidays, and kind of really went off on all the reasons why it wouldn't work. And I just took it. I just took it and I turned around and I thought, you know, this is the moment in my life that I'm going to remember for a very long time, but I didn't say anything. I didn't react. I really just thought to myself, Hmm, interesting. So get in the elevator, go back, sit down at my desk, put my headphones back on or headset, not headphones. I'm not listening to music while I'm at work. Um, I'm a little bit old school that way, I suppose. But uh, now to my boss's credit, as soon as I sat down and logged back in, there was an email from him and it was pretty simple. And again, all I remember like it was yesterday. Hey Daryl, sorry to be such an effing idiot. Go down there, do what you need to do to help be safe. Boom. So I went down to Katrina worked down there for, I don't remember, maybe 10 days or something like that. Uh, did a whole bunch of great work. And, and during that time, when you're seeing hundreds and hundreds of people that have been displaced, they've lost all their stuff, all of their hard assets and you're seeing them at their worst. And yet every single person we came across said, you know what? 
it's just stuff. I still have my family, I still have my health, and that's all that matters. Now, when you're, when you're hearing that time and time again, and when you're dealing with people and you're helping them directly, that has a huge impact on you. And all it did was really, really, really galvanized me to say, gosh, this is where I need to be. I need to be making a difference. That is my purpose. So another event happened a few weeks later, Hurricane uh, Rita headed down to that, had a very similar experience, but working in the back of an ambulance uh, down in Texas and Louisiana. And again, really being directly involved with helping people through the worst times of their lives. That had an impact on me. So somewhere during that period of time, and I don't remember exactly where it was, but I decided that this is it. This was my moment now to do what I was put on this earth to do, and that's make a difference, make society a better place, and contribute more than I take away. So because I was a project manager, when I, when I got back, I had two pretty big projects apart from this whole employment um, you know, challenge that we're having. Uh, so I wrapped the, the projects up, or at least I knew I was going to wrap them up at the same time. And I remember walking into my actual boss's office following the, the labor disruption, sat down. Boss, she looked at me. She's like, you're leaving us, aren't you? I said, yep, it's time. She said, you know, it's funny because we all kind of thought that. And to which I was like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. I'm still doing a good job. What? Like I haven't checked out. What the hell? But that's not quite what she meant. So I wrapped up my projects in April of, uh, of that year and I've never looked back. I've never looked back. So during that period of time since, I've continued to belong to volunteer search and rescue and have taken on leadership positions, not just at a local level, but a regional level and then a provincial level. I joined a group that responds to large scale disasters, even within Canada. And I have a dubious distinction of being in what we call the headquarters or emergency operations center or instant command post during two of Canada's largest disasters. Now, just so we're clear, they were disasters before I got there. All right, so I, I just wanna make that crystal clear. And so during that time, um, under, we're working in crisis. We're working under incredibly stressful environments where, or situations and circumstances. We're working with people that are completely out of their element and are, they're not freaking out, but they are absolutely not excited about being put in the positions that they are. And so I really, really, really had an opportunity to try a lot of the principles and concepts that I've learned over the years. Now, I'm a leadership coach. I'm, I'm a, a leadership facilitator. I teach police, fire, EMS, corporations how to lead. So I've had a whole bunch of academic knowledge, but also practical knowledge. So I've been able to, to, to bridge that gap and combine the two and figure out really what works in the real world. Because newsflash, what's in a book doesn't always apply to real world. Yeah, I know, mind blown. So 
I've been such a unique opportunity or had, have had unique opportunities over the years to really figure out in a crisis situation, how I can connect with people and then lead them. Now, when I was young, it was all about getting people to do stuff for me or meet the mission's intent, meet the goals of the mission. But as I got older, I really, and, and the crisis got bigger that I was going to, I realized that there has to be a really good way to connect with people very, very quickly, build teams really, really quickly, empower people quickly, lower their stress really, really quickly, communicate effectively, all of those types of things, all within the realm of crisis. Well, I figured it out, at least at the time, and I'm continuing to evolve as a leader and a facilitator and author and all of those things, but it's called the 1100 Leadership Solution how to be the leader you would want. And it's based, it's a framework based on four pillars that I am going to continue to explore and share with you through this podcast, through a vlog, through all sorts of content. And the first pillar is vulnerability. Vulnerability is really, really important because it builds trust and trust is what's needed to build relationships without trust. You don't have a relationship. You coexist. That's all you have. So vulnerability is one of the precursors to trust as is effective communication, but more on that. So vulnerability is one of the, the pillars. Empathy. So putting myself in somebody else's shoes as a leader, as a parent, as a coach, the ability to be empathetic is so important because if I don't understand how somebody is feeling, then it's very, very difficult for me to meet their needs. And if I'm being empathetic, people know that I actually care about them and that will in turn build trust and respect back. So it's a really, really important leadership tool, but it's a tool for connection. So vulnerability, empathy. The third one is compassion. That's the third pillar and compassion needs to happen. Once we understand where somebody is at, it doesn't mean that we need to agree with them just so we're clear. All right. It doesn't mean we need to feel the same way, but we need to understand how they feel. That's the empathy part. But then we actually need to feel, uh, feel compassionate towards them, recognize, acknowledge how they're feeling. And here's the real big point self-compassion, man, I'll tell you what, if I talk to my friends, the way I talk to myself, well, I wouldn't have any friends and think about that. Think about that. The words that we use on ourselves, we would never say to somebody else and been there, done that. If a friend is going through a divorce or a particularly tumultuous time in their life, I will bend over backwards and I will help them and I will forgive them and I will support them like nobody's business. And yet I found over the years, at least up until, you know, a little bit recently that we need to recognize with ourselves that we are doing the best we can ourselves. And we need to actually care about the words we're using on ourselves. And it sounds so crazy, but it's true. So vulnerability is a pillar. Empathy is a pillar. Compassion is a pillar. 
And the fourth pillar is what I call personal stress management. And it's really, really important. And I came to this conclusion, obviously working in crisis environments. If we can't manage our own stress levels, then it is virtually impossible, if not impossible, to reach out to other people. Under stress, it becomes about us, or sorry, it becomes about me and not about us. That is a big problem because you can't connect that way. You can't lead. You can't build a relationship. It's not going to happen. So those are the four pillars that I've come up with, and that constitutes a big part of the leadership solution. Again, I want to explore that throughout all of these, these podcasts. Within that, though, is the application of those four pillars. And so the solution itself is really at the, at the end of each day. And I do this, especially when I'm on a deployment. Today, was I the leader that I would have wanted? Or was I the leader that I would want? And then I run it through the filter of the vulnerability. I have some questions of that. So, for example, if I am going to be assessing my vulnerability today, did I say I don't necessarily have all the answers? Did I ask for help? Did I take ownership and accountability for a situation or decision that happened? So that's a vulnerability pillar. And then I move down to empathy. Did I intentionally see a situation from a team member's perspective? Who was it and what was it? Did I regularly ask team members, how are you doing or how are you feeling and genuinely care about the answer? Did I take the time to actively listen, to be truly present in a conversation with a team member? Who was it? What was the situation? Moving down to compassion. Did I stop beating myself up for a decision or action taken? Did I show kindness to a team member is part of the compassion pillar. Did I support a teammate and team member who made a mistake? Personal stress management pillar. Here are the questions within the solution. Did I recognize moments of self stress? What reactions and what triggers? Did I take steps to mitigate my stress proactively? What steps were they and did they work? Did I recognize self-stress and act accordingly to deal with it? The answer is how. Here's the most important question of the entire solution. Tomorrow, I will improve in what area? By doing what and be specific. The reason it's called the 1-100 leadership solution is because if we improve even 1% each day, by the end of two weeks, we'll have made improvement. Incremental, but improvement nonetheless. After 30 days, after 60 days, after a year, you get the idea. If we're improving 1% each and every day, we're going to be doing pretty darn good. So that will be the purpose of the podcast. That is the purpose of a lot of the content that I'm putting out on Facebook and YouTube and links will be all over the place for you to, to follow along. Within this podcast, I also want to capture a concept that I'm calling coffee with coaches. And I want to interview the best and the brightest across all sectors where I sit down with them and I figure out what makes them tick. What are some ideas that they have for 
teaching others, mentoring others, coaching others, motivating others, dealing with others when they're down, all of those types of things. And again, I want it to be across sectors. I don't want it to be just public safety, you know, the instant command world or something like that. I'm talking about coaches like Cirque du Soleil is kind of on my bucket list, you know, for, for, to talk about them. Olympic coaches, hockey coaches, coaches that are teaching music, you name it. I want to talk to them and really dissect the key frameworks and concepts and principles that they apply with their teams or the individuals that they're coaching. I want to bring those lessons to you. Now, because I come from an emergency management background, I also want the ability to take those lessons that I've learned and others in the heat of the moment, in the worst crises imaginable, affecting thousands of people, really altering humanity in some cases, if you really want to be dramatic, and I want to sit down with those individuals and I want to talk to them about what lessons did they learn? What would they do differently next time? What challenges did they have? And that's called leadership from the front line. So within that, we'll be really talking to those individuals at the pointy end of the spear. Now, We've got a lot of content ahead of us and that's okay because we've got a long journey and I promise you, I'm in this for the long haul and I want you to be too. And here's why. Here is why. We are as disconnected as society as we've ever been and I'm tired of it. I am tired of us being lonely. I am tired of our stress levels being so high. I am tired of depression. I'm tired of all of the things that keep us down and keep us from feeling empowered and feeling energetic and feeling positive. I'm tired of us living life, even though we're with somebody or we're in a workplace and feeling like we're on an island. My message matters. Connect and then lead, that matters. Connection is where the future lies. And I don't know if we've lost the art or we just have never been taught it. Now I've got a whole bunch of reasons behind. I don't think we're really that good at it because we haven't been exposed to it. It's a generational thing. And I'll talk about that. And I talk about it in my book. But I want to help the entire world connect and then lead. Be a better parent. I want people to be better parents. I want people to be better coaches. I want people to be better leaders. Um, and I'm not so arrogant to say that I'm the one that has all the answers, but I can tell you, I've got a lot of experience in this and holy smokes, a lot of it comes from the school of hard knocks. Absolutely. But here's the whole point. The sense of community, the sense of belonging that we will create together, the movement around connected leadership, it's time has come. It is time to figure out how we connect with others because our society, I don't know, I don't want to be doom and gloom, but I'm not super stoked about the trend here, but I am so optimistic because people ask you or ask me, Hey, Daryl, why do you do what you do? Like you go to these disasters, you teach leadership all over the world. You're away from home. You're all doing all this stuff. Like, man, don't you get tired of it? The answer, no, I don't. I do not get tired of spreading the message. I don't get tired of talking about connected leadership. I just don't because that gives me so much power 
within. And I see people in the worst situations coming together and helping one another. I see people in the worst situations, neighbors helping neighbors. When the week before the disaster, they were phoning by law complaining about a barking dog, for example, or people on their phones all day long. I see it, but then when the chips are really down, they come together. I love mankind. I am so optimistic. I'm so excited for our future, but I definitely see a lack of connection and I see a lot of loneliness. So I want to help you connect. I want to help you empower people. I want to help you have stronger teams, have stronger communities. And if I get one person on the podcast, that's a regular listener. Hell yeah, it'll be you and I together, but I don't think it's just going to be one person. I think the time for this message of connected leadership, this concept, this movement, it's time has come. In fact, it's time is overdue and let's start this journey. Let's spread the message because the message matters. So please subscribe, spread the word, share, do whatever you need to do. Let's do this.